I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm a senior editor at Light Reading, and we're here at the Fiber Broadband Association uh, Regional Connect in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I'm joined by... Amol Nike. I am senior vice president for public policy and community engagement for Ting Internet. Yeah, good to see you, Amal. Good to see you. Always great to be back in North Carolina. Yeah, we've got uh, some lovely weather today, which is really nice. It's been so cold lately. We do. Uh, there's something special about like when the spring is about, you know, about to show up here in North Carolina. So really yeah. happy to be yeah, here. Yeah, I can tell by my allergies. <laughs> there you go. I share I share in those, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll make do. And I think you said you're based in Atlanta. Is that I'm right? based okay. in Atlanta. Ting is, uh, so obviously we're, so we're a nationwide internet service provider. Our parent company is a company called Two Cows, a domain registrar that's Canadian. Um, and we've got folks all over literally the world that, that work on Ting. Of course, there's folks that are based in markets like community engagement managers on my team. Um, but for, for the most part, if you don't have a sort of market specific focus, um, uh, Two Cows and Ting are very open to you living sort of wherever works for you and your family. So um, I spend a good amount of my time on an airplane. So Atlanta is actually a really good place for me to be doing this job from. Yeah, a good landing spot. Absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about your role at Ting. You're more on the policy side of things, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I lead public policy and community engagement. So that kind of hits on a, a few buckets. One is what you would consider, you know, new market expansion, right? So partnering with other internal stakeholders, we go and meet with communities and talk to them about whether it might make sense for us to, to come to the community, make a significant investment, become a part of the community's kind of corporate fabric. So that's one, um, one key piece. Another is we have community engagement managers in each of our Ting towns. And those are the folks that interact with local officials, partner with local nonprofits, you know, during the build process, navigate issues that inevitably arise with any large infrastructure project. So there's that bucket. And then there's public policy kind of in a broader sense, which is very much we partner with the Fiber Broadband Association on who does a terrific job on these issues. And, you know, that's sort of ultimately all of us are sort of fighting an uphill battle in some sense against you know, some very established companies. And so the Fiber Broadband Association and other associations like it and, and other uh, companies in this space kind of collectively going together to have a voice at the, at the national level, state level is super important. And so we focus on those issues. And, and of course, we focus on issues in municipalities, which is where really the bulk of our work takes yeah. place. And you were on a panel today about economic development and how uh, fiber deployments can kind of support that. Uh, can you share maybe just a few highlights from that panel? What stood out to you? Sure. Well, I, yeah, there's a great panel. Um, North Carolina is unique in a lot of ways in the sort of singular focus that Governor Cooper and uh, his team, Nate Denny and others have taken uh, in terms of being very strategic and in getting internet out to folks all over the state. And so we were talking about, you know, the shared focus of a lot of companies. I know for Ting, uh, digital inclusion is a really, really uh, big focus for us. We really believe that everyone should have access to, to great internet access. But to your point, economic development aspects are um, super important. And so, you know, some of the stats that uh, I think resonate with folks is, is when you go to a community, when you're the third entrant to the market, like we are most times, inevitably the prices go down and the speeds go up. So while we would love to sign as many folks up for Ting as would love to, to, to be our customers, um, 
the reality is in the markets we go to, you're going to benefit no matter who your internet service provider is. So there's a you know huge economic impact in sort of putting dollars back in people's pockets due to competition. There's also the economic impacts of corporate relocations, of folks moving into your community. I actually had someone um, tell me after the panel um, that uh, they're moving to Holly Springs, a community that we're in, specifically to get Ting Internet, which was wow. music to my ears. Yeah, and Holly I, I, Springs is definitely growing. I think growing. they finally got a Target recently. So Did they? Yeah. That's when you know you've made it. Well, they, I mean, <laughs> those communities, you know, being from North Carolina and having gone to, to Carolina like you did, you know, those communities sort of east of Raleigh, um, were completely different mm -hmm. 10, 20 years ago. And now the fact, I think the stat is like 68 people a day are moving to Wake County, you know, so you can see why the growth kind of continues east. But there's also the, the element of, you know, home values for economic development. So I think the stat there is every house is worth 3% that has a fiber connection. And the average is that it's an 8% increase if you have a fiber connection with gigabit service, right? And so we've seen in some of our communities, the um, having a fiber connection is listed as an amenity to the home, just like a swimming pool would yeah. be. So um, that's pretty remarkable, you know, if you think about it. And so, um, yeah, that's just one of sort of the, some of the many elements that economic development um, kind of benefits from, from, from fiber investment. Yeah, that's that's a great point about it being a home amenity. I'm fortunate in my neighborhood, we have um, AT&T fiber and also Google fiber is an option too. Mm -hmm. um, so we're pretty flush with uh, some really nice options um, and it is getting to be a very expensive neighborhood. <laughs> so and, and it might not be coincidental, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, Atlanta's the exact same way. I have three different options really to get a symmetrical gig. And uh, certainly Raleigh, Atlanta, others, well, really a lot of Southeastern communities mm -hmm. have benefited from this inevitably. There is also the valid concern that someone could raise as to displacement of legacy mm -hmm. residents. So, you know, it's something to be mindful of uh, every which way around. But yeah, gentrification, a, the gentrification piece, you know, there can be accelerant factors there. But ultimately, the um, the benefits of this, you know, significant community investment if you're mindful for the digital divide issues is really powerful. Yeah. And you all also recently um, launched a, a open access broadband network in Colorado Springs. Uh, how's that going? Can you provide an update on that and, and why it was um, important for Ting to be involved in open access? Sure, absolutely. I can speak to that. So um, our partner there is the Colorado Springs Utility. Um, they are building the network and uh, we're the initial anchor tenant on that network. Um, utilities really have a lot of efficiencies that they can bring to bear in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, they're very familiar with the community. They know how to navigate the terrain. They have the rights of access, things like that. And so they made a very sort of forward thinking, forward leaning investment. And we are their uh, anchor tenant, very happily so. And uh, we anticipate having um, customers there as early as this spring, which is okay. super exciting. Excellent. So, um, yeah, if you can tell me a little bit more about some of the benefits, um, it sounds like, you know, opening with, working with the utility um, might make it a little bit easier to get the network up and running a little faster. What are, what are some big benefits you see there? Well, so just kind of being able to, um, 
you know, build successfully at scale. Mm -hmm. um, this is a model that really has proven to be successful uh, outside the United States for many years. Um, it's becoming more and more common uh, to great success in the United States as well. Uh, you know, part of it is the, the, the sort of infrastructure costs on the front end, you know, there's, there's some benefits there. But I would say ultimately the efficiencies that like say a utility has, they're very uniquely positioned to be able to build these networks. And, mm -hmm. you know, which is why you've seen some pretty successful examples around the United States as well over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, KDS but Seth uh, with, um, EPB was talking about the sensors on the network and how in Chattanooga they have a smart grid and um, just being able to uh, monitor the network, I suppose, in, in a more efficient way. That's right. That's right. I mean, my understanding uh, from a lot of these projects is the utilities were going to have to make some significant uh, investments in fiber infrastructure anyway. So this is sort of another way to sort of help pay for that. Um, you know, when you talk about the sensor, you talk about smart city technologies having fiber in the ground is going to be invaluable for that. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see a lot of development in the climate uh, change mitigation space. Um, you know, when you look at what actually emits carbon, uh, the buildings in the United States and around the world actually emit more carbon than the transportation sector, which most people probably don't know that. And so when you're looking at the sensors and things that, you know, stop the the emission of carbon at high levels, a lot of that runs on fiber internet. And so there's a lot of benefits, um, probably many of which we really don't even know yet um, that are that are in play. So yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Chattanooga, for instance, really, uh, you mentioned there, they've really been a leader in this space. And you look at the, how their community has grown over the years. I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I, like you said, I think a lot of people focus on transportation and we hear a lot about EVs and um, you know, uh, moving to hybrids and electric vehicles and automated cars, but the built environment really does do a number on uh, our carbon footprint. So there's no doubt about that. that. No <laughs> doubt about it. it. You know, it's really so. There's a, if, you know folks that are interested in climate change and, and things we can do. There's a, a really interesting um, project drawdown. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's essentially like what can folks do, right? So EVs, all that stuff is super important, but there's other things like changing of diet or, you know, kind of doing stuff to your home. There's all sorts of, there's not a single easy answer to climate change. Yeah. And so I think, you know, bigger picture, fiber internet can really be a big part of the solution. Yeah, and like vampire loads, leaving our all our electronics plugged in all the all time. All that, all that, all <laughs> that, it all adds up, right. all adds up. Yeah, um, so there's also been a lot of discussion today about bead funding. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Are there any plans for Ting to um, be working toward bead funding? Or? So I would say just as an American, um, just thrilled to see the American taxpayer and Congress and the administration invest, you know, once in a generation or two yeah. generation investment in such a critical need. Uh, you know, being from rural Robson County, North Carolina, I have seen firsthand, you know, it's not something I have to read about. I've seen right. it, experienced yeah. it. Folks are still doing their homework in McDonald's parking lots because that's the only place they can get internet. And so the fact that the country is making such an enormous investment is uh, incredible. You know, the reality is, is it going to solve all the problems? No. Are there going to be challenges? Of course. But, you know, North Carolina is a great example of a state that really has a great focus here. 
um, and is, I think, going to do some tremendous things with the significant beach funds that they receive ultimately. As far as Ting, uh, yeah, I think I could definitely see us going after some um, some bead funds. Uh, of course, it'll all kind of in the context of where it makes sense. Um, there is certainly going to be, in, in especially in rural places, you would think more need than demand. Um, you know, it's going to be very expensive to go in the most remote places in mm -hmm. the country. Um, and then there's the unserved versus underserved issue, you know, where the money's going to go. So, uh, yeah, we're, we explore all those options. The majority, the vast majority of what we do is, is via private capital. Um, but certainly you're monitoring those uh, those efforts and you know anything that expands broadband access broadly through uh, to, to, to folks all over the spectrum of the United States is something that we're supportive of. Mm -hmm. Are there any um, you know challenges within the requirements for the grants that would prevent Ting from applying or that you just see in general being um, kind of a challenge for those that are interested in, in the bead funding? Well, I mean, a lot of the book is yet to be written in this regard, as you well know. I mean, there's some places, again, like in North Carolina, that have very developed broadband offices. They've been thinking about it for a long time. There's other places who are just getting started, you know, and so it's it's a situation where they're sort of building the, the plane as they fly, it so to speak. And um, so the devil will definitely be in the details. <laughs> I think there will be 50 different approaches for 50 different states. Every state uh, is going to get a mi minimum of $100 million. So, you know, at, at a minimum, everyone is going to have some sort of skin in the game, so to speak. Uh, you know, there's challenges. So my home state of, of Georgia, for instance, there are three entire counties where no one has, not a single person has 25-3 internet access. Wow. Not a single person, right? So, you know clear need there a lot of funding is going to have to go there mm -hmm. but that's not to say like a place like metro atlanta or uh raleigh durham that there aren't serious needs as well right so navigating the truly remote and rural places that have virtually no access you know is all the funding just going to go there and are we going to leave behind people who are underserved through you know generations of redlining and lack of investment mm -hmm. I think that would be a bad mistake. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my hope is, is that in addition to looking at the truly unserved, that there will be leeway to go to underserved areas. There's a key distinction. Yeah. Uh, and those underserved communities absolutely are worthy of investment. Um, so I don't, from a Ting perspective, don't necessarily foresee things that would prevent us from participating, but it is, you know, even though the, the funding is, you know, kind of in process and all the rest of it, it is really still pretty early days. And we got to remember the money has not gone from the NTIA to the states yet. It will. And then the states have to figure out how to disperse it. So um, you got you got to think the, the money won't start going out the door until 2024. Yeah. One would think. But we'll see how it plays yeah. out. Got a little runway there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting when the speakers earlier said bead without equity is bad. It's kind of the, the joke, but, um, you know, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I, I would argue that just about anything without equity is bad. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'll tell you, that's the thing as someone who's been coming to these various conferences and various roles over the years that uh, is so encouraging is that you cannot go to a conference focused on Internet for Internet service providers now 
without equity being a central, central theme of, of everything that's going on. I think the COVID era certainly brought that about where people very much realize that the internet is not a luxury item. You know, it's healthcare, it's church, it's school, it's work, it's just really your connection to community. So that's a wonderful thing. And I'll say that I think the Biden administration deserves a whole lot of credit for that as well. Um, during the 2020 campaign, I had the pleasure of working in a volunteer capacity as Georgia infrastructure coordinator for the Biden campaign. And a lot of the stuff they were talking about there, the, the really the proposals that came to be Build Back Better and, and other proposals that have now become law, um, you know, if equity wasn't not just talked about, but a central purpose of why the proposal was being made, it wasn't going to advance. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you see rhetoric and planning become action and results. And so now two, three years down the road, I think you're seeing that. And, you know, entities like FBA are doing an incredible job putting equity at the center of the conversation where it needs to yeah. be. Yeah, there's a lot to it. Affordability, access, kind of make it all work together. That's right. So. You know, people talk about the three stools mm -hmm. of, you know, access, devices and training. It's very much, without one of those three, the other stuff doesn't really matter. So yeah. it's a, there's again, no easy answers, uh, holistic approach, but it's exciting. I mean, yeah. this is a real opportunity for us to, to do something and improve people's lives. Yeah. That's what it's about. It's about improving people's lives at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's pretty much a critical uh, resource at this point. It's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Access, yeah. The only thing that you can really draw a historical analogy to and, you know, even the last probably 100 years would be something along the lines of rural electrification. You know, it's, it really is. You are that disadvantaged without the Internet in yeah. 2023. For sure. Well, Amal, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. Anytime. Yeah, thanks Go so Heels. Yeah, go Heels. <laughs> <laughs>